0: Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city.
1: This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development for 820 AM The Word. And we truly are in the heart of the city here Uh, downtown Seattle in the International District right across from CenturyLink Field. My special guest today is Dick Hewling. He is the regional director for Rebuilding Rwanda. Dick, welcome to Heart of the City. Thank you, Chuck. Well, you and I have had the opportunity just to meet, and we've kind of downloaded a
2: little bit and uh, you're out of Edmonds, Washington. Yes, our uh, headquarters for the U.S. is in Edmonds, Washington. We're down by the water near the ferry, and uh, we've been there a couple years now. Uh, we, we transplanted from Shoreline. Well, we're going to talk about rebuilding Rwanda
1: first. As I told you earlier, the premise of our program is to talk about how people came to faith and then how out of that came the ministry that they were called to. And I'd love to hear a little bit about you. Obviously, you want to talk about what Rebuilding Rwanda is doing and an upcoming gala on October the 5th, but I'd like to know
2: a little bit more about you. And so how long have you been the regional director? Well, I came out as regional director in December of 2016. Uh, I was a career pastor before that in the Church of the Nazarene, And uh, I was administrative pastor at Aurora, Seattle Aurora Church of the Nazarene for eight years and uh, retired from pastoral ministry uh, as a vocation and um, then began to network around because I felt like I still had some energy left and wanted to um, perhaps uh, capstone off a a career with something also as meaningful as my pastoral career. And uh, prior to that, uh, I had met... uh, a tall Rwandan man named Emmanuel Sataki a few years earlier, and so I called him up and said, "Let's have coffee. I'm networking, and uh, maybe you know someone that uh, would be looking for someone who has uh, maybe some administrative skills or some things that might be helpful in the nonprofit area and uh, From there, uh, we continued uh, the the talk and a and a position came open, and I was hired in December.
1: Well, tell me about Rebuilding Rwanda.
2: Tell me about that organization and how it started. Well, it has its roots in the genocide 1994 in Rwanda, where a million were brutally murdered in 100 days. It was um, um, just a complete devastation of the country and the culture, uh, the Hutus uh, murdering the, the Tutsis and R- Emmanuel was a Tutsi. He was outside the country in Rwanda as a young student at a university, uh, but 35 of his relatives were murdered in the genocide. He came back in in 1996, among other things, to bury his relatives, but also uh, began to get uh, a heart for the orphans and widows that were wandering and, and uh of course, a part of the devastation still. And he began a ministry of simply connecting orphans with widows hmm. and providing a home for wandering orphans. I'll talk a little bit more about
1: that, that uh, genocide that occurred in 94. I think people, I know I do, I, you hear so much about so many different atrocities around the world that
2: you forget about what really happened back then. Well, the tensions had been... Rising for decades among the the majority Hutus against the minority Tutsis, and uh, it was a powder keg in the region. Uh, Rwanda kind of being the epicenter of that conflict, and um, more and more it began to boil over. There were smaller uh, genocides, but in nineteen ninety four in the spring, it was a full on genocide. Every region, every neighborhood. Um, It was family against family, even neighbors against neighbors. Um, The weapons of choice were mostly machetes and blunt instruments. It was just a very brutal kinds of um, uprising and and cultural upheaval, and and even uh, spouse against spouse in, in some occasions.
1: So that was 35 years ago. I can't imagine what it was like to be a child. Back in those days to see that kind of violence occur in your own country, the kind of fear that's mm-hmm. generated, the kind of anger, the kind of uh, angst that someone mm-hmm. would experience. <clears throat> and that's uh, something that can occur for a lifetime for many people unless there's some sort of a an awakening in their heart and forgiveness and, and uh, peace,
2: isn't there? Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, it has had a remarkable, remarkable recovery. It, it has been one of those few countries in the world that has had such progress and such healing and reconciliation from such a devastating, um, horrific genocide. What's the reason for that? Well, uh, good governance. Um, the... Um, there, there's a lot of th- things that have ha- has contributed to the genocide uh, uh, recovery. Uh, there have been some very successful initiatives that have brought healing and reconciliation the The uh, medium age is eighteen, and so it 's a young population who don 't want anything to do with genocide ideology mm-hmm. um, and there has been uh, both the um, the balance of uh, reconciliation and the balance of justice and so it's been both have taken place there that has helped produce um, uh, the, the the elements for progress to take place
1: you had mentioned earlier the, about a man by the name of Emmanuel uh, Sit, Sit,
2: Sit, Sitaki. Sitaki. Mm-hmm. and uh, tell me a little bit more about his story well he came back into the country in 1996, pretty devastated by uh, the loss of his family. He did find his mother eventually, who had survived and is still alive, and he found a sister that had survived. But uh, he took the passage in James 37 of taking care of the orphans and widows and, and that um, representing uh, good religion, solid religion, and he began to feel that was pressing upon upon his mind by God and, and uh, began the ministry of uh, bringing together orphans and widows and taking care of those. And then as the orphans began to get older, then he began a sewing program, and that began the progress towards our vocational programs and emphasis. Mm-hmm. Well, there is that process
1: of, you mentioned the word restoration, and when I asked you originally about uh, uh, rebuilding Rwanda, the idea of rebuilding means that there was something there of value and of use at the beginning. And so
2: what is it that you're wanting to rebuild in Rwanda? Well, uh, Rwanda is on a tremendous rebuilding (laughs) project. It is rebuilding economically. It is rebuilding relationships. It's rebuilding its culture again. It's rebuilding its traditions again. Uh, It's uh, obviously rebuilding relationships among neighbors and communities again. But uh, one of the national goals and a critical piece of the rebuilding, and especially with such a young population that ha- has significant poor, all of our students come from poverty, is vocational programs. And we're right at the center of vocational programs. And so part of the rebuilding includes this piece of vocational programs, of vocational education, and uh, we're very solid in in vocational education.
1: You know, as I've traveled, and I'm haven't traveled probably as much as you have into third world countries. But one of the things that I've noted is in dealing with children that are in extreme poverty is this idea of hope. Mm -hmm. And some of them don't even understand the concept of hope as far as what the future can be. They don't see any in the village that they live. They don't see any kind of example of, of someone being able to come out of that village and, uh, and so the idea of hope or a vision for the future uh, isn't always evident in a child's life. I'm interested by the fact that in uh, rebuilding Rwanda that you have a, a vocational training center called Hope. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. really is an important name, isn't it, that, that you are giving hope to someone who may be hopeless as far as vocational training as far as
2: their future is concerned yeah it's a uh, it's a growing hope of those that w- we meet and, and and we tell about our school uh, and as you mentioned hope um, for for many in poverty and especially since the the effects of the genocide are still around it it still affects our students it, it certainly affects whether they come from uh, a one-parent family or or no parents or whether their parents um, have been um, uh, diseased uh, uh, through the genocide and its after effects or, or uh, suffer from other kinds of things. And so they grew up with very little hope of um, getting out of the, their station in life, out of poverty. But they hear about our school and, and other vocational schools as well. And they understand that perhaps uh, maybe there's something for them. But uh, when they come in as as uh, new students, then they are as wide-eyed as any freshman students here, but perhaps even more so because they don't even um, – they, 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 uh, they're not even sure that they can make the program. Mm-hmm. They're not even sure if they can complete it. Mm-hmm. And they don't have uh, a reason to think they could get a job in the future because nobody in their family has one, <laughs> and so uh, they uh, but they strike out. They have a little bit of hope, and it's remarkable how that grows. You can see it in the in the students as the years go on in uh, their sense of uh, accomplishment. Uh, their sense of confidence, and by the time they graduate, it is uh, pretty f- full-blown. It's remarkable to see.
1: Well, tell me about some of the programs that are a
2: part of HOPE Vocational Training, and how many centers are there? Well, we have two centers. Our main campus is in Kabaka, just outside the metro area of the capital city of a million, Kigali. And we have another extension program in a remote village, Rugunabari. But on our main campus, we have uh, six programs. Uh, our programs are government-accredited vocational programs in culinary arts, in carpentry, in hairdressing, masonry, uh, sewing, and welding. And we graduate about 270, uh, Well, uh, 273 students was our last graduation class, and somewhere between 250 and 300 students per year would be our graduating class.
1: You mentioned earlier in our conversation before we came on the air that the mechanics uh, part of the vocational school is pretty high-end. Uh, a lot of well, people, a lot of children and young adults aspire to that program.
2: Yes, uh, we've a lot of the vocational programs in Rwanda have one or two programs. We have six, and so that's... Um, a prestigious thing for us to have so many. And then we're adding in the next couple of years two more programs, and one will be a mechanics program in the next two years. And uh, that's a very prestigious program by itself. Mm-hmm. And so when we have that, uh, we'll probably have a gain of, of 50 to 75 students just from that program alone. You're listening to Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmsted. And with me today is Dick
1: Hewling. He's the regional director at rebuilding Rwanda. Dick, tell me about the people themselves. You mentioned that they've gone through a, a, a horrific genocide 35 years ago. Tell me about
2: the people now. Well, I, my first visit to Rwanda and our campus, I was expecting uh, to see kind of a repressed uh, society, a society. Who was still suffering from the wounds of genocide and cultural people um, that uh, were still in the definitely in the healing process, and uh, perhaps uh, the aspects of culture and um, and safety were issues. But I didn't see that at all. Interesting. It's one of the safest countries in the world presently, where. Thirty-five and, years ago is probably it was, one of the cruelest you, places to you live. You didn't want to be there 35 <laughs> years ago. Uh-huh. And uh, when we came on our campus, the, the students who would be normal uh, freshman age uh, in their 18, 19, 20s, uh, they, uh, they laughed easy, they smiled easily, they joked, uh, they had sports, they had soccer, volleyball uh, that they participated in as teams uh, uh, in uh, intramural and as well as competing with other vocational schools. And uh, we have a choir, we have a worship team, uh, we have a dance team, and uh, they seem to be enjoying in life. They they are still living in difficulty because they all come from poverty, uh, but there is a real sense of, of hope and that things... Uh, are going better for their country definitely.
1: Mhm. Yeah. Well, let's uh, talk about what's uh, happening here uh, coming up just in a couple of weeks on October the 5th, you're having a gala yes at the uh, Mohai, the uh-huh. Museum
2: of History and Industry. There it is, yes. Mohai
1: on the on Lake Union and uh
2: Talk to me about what's going to happen at that gala. Well, okay. we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a great event. It's, it's always fun for us to tell our stories and to meet new people and to see our supporters that we have seen for years and have been a part of us. Uh, this particular venue, um, as you mentioned, is on South Lake Union. It's a magnificent venue. It's very stately. It has uh, iconic ships and iconic things inside uh, that are part of the exhibit, but uh, we will be renting the main floor for our gala, and uh, as you go in, you'll uh, enjoy not only uh, what is there and the sights that you'll see, but I think you'll enjoy the program. It's, uh, we'll be talk- telling our stories, of course. Uh, we've got uh, a dynamic main speaker, Emmanuel Sataki. We're flying him in, and that's always a joy to have him with us. We will have some Rwandas there as well as a Rwandan singing artist, and so it's it's going to be a great occasion. Yeah, and the, the thing about
1: this is this is for
2: people who have an affinity with the ministry. There's no cost for tickets. Is that correct? Well, uh, we try to underwrite, and we have underwritten by our table sponsorships and our corporate sponsorships the cost of the the event and so yeah. uh we welcome those who can come and if they can invite a neighbor we'd love to have them as yeah. well but but let us know of course
1: right right you just can't walk through the door <laughs> cuz you need to know well if someone w- is interested it's october the 5th at the uh, museum of history and industry at uh, 6 doors open at 6:30 and if someone
2: wants to RSVP uh, Dick, how do they do that? Well, they can call me on my cell phone uh, up until uh, the end of the week when this is aired. Yeah. And you can call me on my cell phone at 425-327-3238. That's 425-327-3238. You can go to our website at org and just write us a note and, and I'll get that. Uh, up until the end of the week, we'll take reservations. And then, of course, we'll need to get our count in to the caterer and, and our setup team.
1: You had mentioned that
2: during the
1: uh, gala that you're going to be sharing some success stories. For those that aren't going to be able to attend, tell me a couple success stories about the the people that you're ministering to there in Rwanda.
2: Well, uh, there's uh, a lady by the name of Clementine, young lady, and she came to us uh, as uh, from a poor family. Uh, she didn't have a father, who died because of um, complications from the genocide, and uh, she. Uh, typically, our students will commute, perhaps even up to two hours a day, uh, to get to our campus. And she commuted to our campus. She came uh, as a as a new student. She was uh, a very typical, uh, wondering if she could. <laughs> actually uh complete the program or not and she completed in in hairdressing and she was very proud but along the way we teach entrepreneurship as a part of our program we have a 25 station computer lab and so they get experience in research they get experience in looking up kinds of things that uh, might be what it takes to start a business and she um Felt like, uh, as some of our students do during the year, they begin to um, think about what it might take to start a business, and she did. And she started a business, and she's doing well. She's employed some of our graduating students in her, co- her company in sewing. Isn't that amazing
1: how someone uh, can can be trained like that but then become a blessing and a boss yes. to someone else? yeah that's got to be incredibly gratifying to be able to see that happen and see that sense of self that occurs when someone yeah. has a a job is able to
2: provide for their family and then also help others do the same yeah ninety five percent of our graduates get jobs or hire sometimes that's a hundred percent of our graduates uh, get a job or start new businesses so it's it's a tremendous metric that we track. Give me another story well uh Uh, There's a young gal named Josephine, and she uh, had somehow had a dream that she might be a welder someday. She didn't know how that could be possible, but it was something that just kind of intrigued her. She came from a poor family. Her mother was very ill from from actually the effects of the genocide, didn't have a father. She heard about our school, and we had started— Uh, uh, months prior to that a welding scholarship that one of our donors had set up and she was the first recipient josephine Mm. our first recipient for the rick Hassan welding scholarship and she came uh, that paid her way and that's uh, what uh, gave gave her the uh, opportunity was the welding scholarship and she came she graduated this year And uh, she's employed, and this is her um, ability to not only help herself with uh, a living wage, income-producing job, but also to help her mother and uh, uh, even extended family. But
1: Dick, we've just got a couple of minutes left. If someone wants to get involved with rebuilding Rwanda, how can they go about doing that? What are the needs that rebuilding Rwanda has as far as an organization, and how can someone get involved? Well, one of
2: the best ways a person can get involved, they can certainly call me at 425-327-3238. And uh, I can meet uh, over coffee or lunch, and we can talk over some of the things that might uh, be coming up for us. It would be very helpful, whether it's working at an event. Uh, One of the really uh, cool things that some of our supporters have done has been to open up their home, and we can do more or less kind of 101 kind of meetings. Uh, We have a media presentation that we can present and and it's just um this is who we are this is what we do and uh god is blessing and we're doing good in the world in the country of rwanda and um uh god god is in it and just wanted to let you know about what's what's going on it's those kinds of meetings certainly we can do small uh fundraising meetings in homes as well mm mm-hmm. We've been
1: speaking mostly about the vocational side of this, but I've got to believe that there are some spiritual impacts that are happening with the students that are there. Tell me a little bit about that.
2: Well, every morning we start out with chapel. And like I I mentioned, some of them come out, uh, uh, commute or walk or ride their bike hours to get to campus every day. And we have morning chapel at 715 and that starts out their day. Uh, we have a spiritual director on campus, uh, one of our staff, and and he looks out for the spiritual needs of our students. And we have uh, spiritual emphasis weeks. Uh, we have a worship choir and band. Mm. And, I bet uh, you those are lively too, aren't it, they? It is very lively. It is so cool to see. Yep, we love our ch- we love when we visit the campus to go to our chapels. Well, you get to be fully engaged in the
1: process. I know our pastor at the church that I attend, uh, he has uh, opportunities to travel in Africa. And those six-hour services sometimes at church can get to be a little long, but they are definitely lively. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dick, I want to thank you for joining me today on thank Heart you. of the City. If you want to know more, you can go to rebuildingruanda.org. The Lord bless you today, Dick. Thank thank you for your good work in the continent of Africa. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to this 820 AM, The Word, special heart of the city. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, The Word, call Chuck Olmsted, 206-269-6216.